0: Thanks Emma. That's such a great way to launch into a sermon about community. I didn't ask Emma to do that, but I think that's just so appropriate because one of the the things that I hope we'll see is that uh, a a Christian community, a true Christian community, is not based on um, anything uh, except the fact that we have a similar belief. The fact that we come together and worship the same God. Um, And so we have a very diverse group of people in this room like we do every Sunday, and and some of you I know pretty well and some of you I've never met before, but if you're a brother or a sister in Christ Then we automatically share some kind of special community that is different than the rest of the world And I think that's fairly unique the word community Kind of gets overused at times um, In the world which makes sense because that's what people want people are really wanting belong to something or be part of something. I have a uh, a story that I I heard a long time ago, but I love it. I think it's so appropriate. Another pastor was uh, watching the Weather Channel just to find out what the weather was going to be that day. And he turned on the the weather to find out what his local weather was. And meanwhile, in another part of uh, that country, there was big flooding going on. And so the weather person, the, the weather anchor said, it's at times like these that the Weather Channel community comes together and is here for each other. And and he thought, community? I'm not looking for a community here. I just want to know what to wear today. But it's, I think, appropriate to, to hear that because that, describes a little bit of what people are looking for. They want to say, yeah, I'm part of the Weather Channel community. I watch the weather and find out. But it it does get overused. So let's look at what the Bible has to say about the idea of community. And let's, I hope, relate it to who we are. We're, We're in a sermon series on the mission, vision, and values of our church, which is called Faith Community Church. So hopefully the idea of community is fairly important to us. Uh, We spent the last couple of weeks looking at the mission and the vision, you can find those in the the bulletin. And today we're going to look at the first of our eight values, uh, which is community. Uh, Over the next few weeks, you're going to hear from a few other people besides myself, John and Mike, are each going to take a couple of of these values over the next few weeks so you get to hear other voices, which is good. Uh, And why are we doing eight values? Well, when we started the church a long time ago, we wanted to, we we thought about, what do we want this church to be about? You know, what do we think is important to us as a church? Uh, Not necessarily, you know, what do we hope we're the best at, or what do we want to be better than everybody else at? And what do we think is the most important thing in the Bible? But what do we want people to recognize about us if they were to come visit our church? And so we came up with these eight values, and that's really what we're trying to capture here. Things that are important to us, that we believe the Bible says are important about church, but we're not perfect at them. And we're not saying we are. And in fact, many of these, we have a lot of room to grow. Um, and, but we, we're striving for these. And that's what I hope you, you hear over the course of the next few weeks, is that they're important. They're important for every church, and we hope that they're really important for us. And again, we're, we're talking about how we, as one particular visible church, fit into the larger, universal, invisible church of God. Now, when I think of where to find this idea of community in Scripture, the first place I normally think of is the book of Acts, as it talks about the very first Christian church and what they were like. And so that's the passage we're going to look at uh, right now from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Um, and so let's, let's read this passage and then talk a little bit more about what it has to say to us. <clears throat> so here God's Word, from Acts chapter 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. What is, what is this passage describing in the early church? What are some of the aspects of community? By the way, as a reminder, the insert gives you some additional questions for you to be thinking about over the course of the next week. Um, and so please use that for your, for your own personal study or devotion. But I think what we see here in this passage are three main things. We see the faith of the community. We see the unity of of the community, and then we see sort of the impact or the witness of the community. Um, now, before we sort of dive in, one more way that we kind of talk about community is, it's, it's different than what the world would say is like a club. And I saw this quote from Philip Yancey, I think I have this on the slide, which I really like, kind of distinguishing the difference between a church community and some other group. We often surround ourselves with the people we most want to live with, thus forming a club or a clique, not a community. Anyone can form a club. It takes grace, shared vision, and hard work to form a community. And I think that's kind of obvious when you think about where this passage fits in the book of Acts. I love that it's in here. It didn't need to be in here. Uh, the, the writer, Luke, uh, of the book of Acts didn't have to include this little section about what the early church looked like. Right before this is the amazing story of Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming down onto the disciples. Right after this is a, is a miracle of Peter. I think it's his first miracle. And so there's some amazing stories but it's kind of sandwiched between between these great stories is this sort of brief description of what the early church was like. And I love that it's in there. And I love that it's based on something that we just did, which is the faith of the community. We see this a couple places. Verse 42, the first verse. It said, they were devoted to something. And they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. Uh, And the rest of the passage really describes all of that in, in a little more detail. And so when it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, they're talking not just about what the apostles said, but really what was handed to the apostles from Jesus. And so when we say a church is apostolic, it means that they have the teaching given to them via the apostles, via Jesus himself. And so they were devoted to and committed to something. They were committed to this idea of truth. And that, if nothing else, that's what separates a community from a club or a clique. Okay? Because if you think about it, a club or any sort of social gathering is usually formed because people are sharing something uh, about themselves. Maybe they have a similar interest, maybe they are similar demographics, they're from the same place, maybe they're about similar age or similar political views. The, a Christian community, however, is, is founded on something not from inside yourself, but on something outside yourself. And, and the way it's described here is the teaching of the apostles. That's just a short way to say the gospel. That the Christian community was formed based on the gospel. They were committed to something that was given to them from the outside. And that's what we did when we prayed. You know, and I don't know all of who prayed, but just a great example of being committed to the same things in this room full of people means that we are, by definition, a Christian community. Uh, when it talks about the fellowship, it's talking about not just getting together on Sundays, but how they spend time together apart from Sunday church. Sharing their needs, meeting each other's needs. The end of Acts chapter 4, you can read that on your own, gives a great illustration of how they they lived for each other. They shared basically everything together. When it says the breaking of bread, they're not just talking about communion, but generally eating meals together. And when it talks about praying, it's not just meeting together to pray, but it's also talking about worship and praising And so the the gospel impacts the way that you live and behave with other Christians. And this is what separates and distinguishes a church community from everything else. Now, again, what I love is that this came right after, like I said, the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And the passage right before this, it, it describes the diversity of people who were collected together. Uh, I don't have this on the slide, but just listen to the, the people who were gathered together in this meeting. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans, and how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Eloites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia... Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So that was almost the entire known world was gathered together, understanding each other, speaking their own unique languages. This incredible number of cultures brought in at the very beginning of the formation of the church. You don't see anything like this anywhere else in the history of the world. And so their commitment was to this gospel, to their their worship, their fellowship. The word for fellowship, by the way, is a Greek word, koinonia. Maybe you've heard that word before, and it has to do not just with fellowship, but with coming together, even when people would come together for the Lord's Supper. That was a gathering, a collection, a koinonia of people who were united together. So you see their faith, You also see their their unity in the midst of their diversity. They were united. Verse 44 in our passage said this, All who believed were together and had all things in common. So while there's this great diversity among cultures, they also were sharing... Their lives. They were clearly united in their praise, worship, their teachings of the gospel. Um, This is where I wanted to to share a little bit about uh, Michelle's picture that she made back uh, when we were doing a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. I asked uh, Michelle, our artist in residence, to sort of portray somehow this idea that the church, as described in Ephesians, was united and diverse all at the same time. And this is the drawing that she came up with. When you come into the church, this is hanging up in the hallway, um, just above the the stairs. And so you can look at this uh, anytime you want. Uh, But this is what she said about it. She wrote this. I had this visual image of people all walking along different paths that intersected, but at the same time, all the paths were getting closer to the same end goal. In our lives, that end goal is eternity with the Father. I chose to represent this eternity as a circle in the middle so that the paths could somehow have this perspective of getting closer while being separate to represent the individual paths we take in our spiritual journeys. But at the same time, they intersect for times in the same way we share parts of our lives with different people at different times. I also tried to convey a feeling of connectedness and oneness as we are all one in the Spirit and united to the Father by Christ. It's a bit abstract as well, which I like, because it allows room for a viewer to relate in a different way as well. The colors are symbolic of earth and heaven and how we live in a heavenly, eternal reality but not in full. The gold reminds me of the preciousness of heaven. The sky blue reminds me of the physical heavens and skies we enjoy and inhabit now. And the greens of the earth we walk in, but also the growth we each go through in our lives. That whole description is, is attached to the picture in the hallway that you can read on your own too. But I think that's a, a really great way to sort of picture this idea that in a community, you have diversity, but you also have unity. Unity. At least you're supposed to. That's what you're supposed to to strive for. And what are we, we're we're united in the gospel, but we're also united in our position. What do I mean by that? Well, Henry Nowen has a couple of really good quotes about this. And so let me read what he said. He defined community this way. Uh, Community, the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. Let me stop there. Because I agree that. I'm like, ouch. <laughs> the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. Does that upset you a little bit? Make you uncomfortable? It should. Because a community, a Christian community, is made up of sinful people. Right? But that also includes you. <laughs> and so when people hear this quote, they might be thinking about you. <laughs> Don't know if you thought about that before. When I thought about that, I, I thought about not preaching today. <laughs> but it's true. But here's what the rest of what he said. And this is what I love. Because we have to remember where we are coming from. And his uh, thesis in this paper that he wrote is how solitude is important before community. So think about this. Why is it so important that solitude come before community? If we do not know we are the beloved sons and daughters of God, we're going to expect someone in the community to make us feel that way. They cannot. We'll expect someone to give us that perfect unconditional love. But community is not loneliness grabbing onto loneliness. I'm so lonely, and you're so lonely. It's solitude grabbing onto solitude. I am the beloved. You are the beloved. Together, we can build a home. Isn't that beautiful? That's that's in the uh, insert, by the way, that whole quote. Um, And so what does it start with? It starts with who you are. That you have to be alone and think about who you are in Christ before you can try to successfully live together with other people in community. That you are the beloved child of God. And so... When you think about this, you you realize, oh man, I am desperately dependent upon God. And then you meet other people who are desperately dependent upon God. And and guess what? You get to do life together. You get to be together. And so what does this look like today? I've seen this done well, um, but not very often. One time we were at a, a conference a number of years ago And these two church planters were uh, discussing kind of their theories of church planting. And and they were coming from very different perspectives. But they were good friends and they were for each other. And it was very clear in this session that they were uh, clearly for each other. And then someone raised a a theological question. And they kind of looked at each other and smiled. And one of them said, well, we don't actually agree on this, but we don't let it divide us. And he just very quickly started that and moved on. And so they chose that there was a, a place where they were not going to be divided. Now, of course, there are, there are limits to that, but what that was was a very healthy example of that. I think a more um, moving example, and I shared this recently, so sorry if you heard this recently, but uh, a number, um, about a, almost a year ago now, It was a very difficult, tense meeting of other pastors from our denomination. And uh, there were two sides to a situation, and we were going to have to vote on it. And so there was one uh, pastor sort of explaining one side, another pastor explaining a very different side, the opposite side. And before they left the room for us to vote on the matter, they looked at each other and they hugged. And so then they left the room. And so they were united regardless of the outcome of the situation, and they had explained everything that they believed and thought about the situation, and before the vote even happened, they were showing us, they didn't even know that we were watching them do this, they were showing us that uh, whatever decision we made was not going to divide them, and they didn't want it to divide us any further. That's what unity in the midst of the diversity can look like. Okay. So that's the unity of the community. Thirdly, lastly, the witness of the community. And I love this, verses 46 and 47 uh, of our original passage, how they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So there was growth. Growth was happening, not just because of the community, but probably part of it. Someone said this is kind of like the idea of uh, a restaurant. What do I mean? Um, well, in my hometown, there's a great pizza restaurant, and they purposefully pipe out the smell from the kitchen onto the street. And maybe you've been or seen other restaurants that do this. And so it's impossible to walk down the street and, and not think, I have to go in there right now and have a pizza. Because it smells so good. And you think, whatever is going on in there, I want it. I have to have it. It's the same idea with a Christian community. That, And this is honestly why I think it talks about us being the aroma of Christ in a way. Is that we are supposed to be attractive to the world. In the sense that people are going to want to see this, whatever we have as Christians and say, I want that. Whatever that is, I want that. Now, that doesn't mean that's the primary reason we gather together on Sundays. That doesn't mean that decides and determines all of the different activities and ministries and relationships that we have. But it does mean that the world is watching. And the world is listening. And when there is a community that is attractive, then it, it might help someone want to belong, and then understand what it is that they believe. So some people say, before you believe, you have to belong. I don't necessarily know that's true. But I do think that belonging goes with believing, because when you believe something, when you believe in Christ, when you believe the gospel, then you are automatically part of something else, something bigger than you, that you get to be part of. And for some people, it can be the reason that they are first interested in church or Jesus. Because they have seen something different. This was true of the the ancient witness of the first church. The Roman emperor Julian, in the 4th century, uh, regretted the progress of Christianity because it was pulling people away from the Roman pagan gods. And he said, they're doing a better job than we are of taking care of our own people. The, the Roman pagans. And so of course people were going over to them because of their witness. So yes, it is possible, but it doesn't necessarily mean it has to happen that way. Alright, so let's let's close with some questions for us to think about. So what is our goal when it comes to community? Well it's first to embody the body of Christ. It's first to be the body of Christ. And that that means Sundays welcoming people. Inviting people in, praying together, worshiping together, sharing the gospel with each other, reminding each other of of truth, being involved, and then continuing to be the church on Monday and Tuesday and so on. Fellowshiping with Christian brothers and sisters, whether that's spending time with people, getting to know them, whether that's lending them things, giving of yourself. And, And hopefully growth will happen It doesn't mean that it will, but hopefully it does. And so, in some ways, the church, we should be counter-cultural because we're putting a proper emphasis on the individual and we're putting a proper emphasis on the group. And both of those are important. But that's different from the way the world sees community, isn't it? Because the world sees community in one of two wrong ways. like, one, me first. Community, don't need it. It's all about me and what what I need, survival of the fittest. Or it's the other extreme. Everything you do is for the greater good. And so in other words, the survival of the group is the most important thing. And whoever you are, whatever your needs are, whatever your individuality is, is not important compared with the needs of the group. And the church community says, no, both are actually quite important. Who you are doesn't get swallowed up. And some sort of collective being. But when you are a believer, you have a personal relationship. But you're living that relationship out with other people who have personal relationships too. You need the community. So, that's how the world sees it incorrectly. And if I'm honest, I tend to do the same thing. If I'm honest, sometimes I'll say, you know what? I don't, need, I don't need other people. It's just too much work. It's just between me and God, you know? I'm okay, I just got the Bible and prayer, and I'm good. And, and what I'm really saying is that I'm afraid. I'm afraid of vulnerability. I'm afraid of looking weak. I'm afraid of sacrificing my will for the good of others. And and, and I'm prideful in how I think of myself better than others. And so I have to repent. And I also tend to the other extreme, where I think, this is all I need, this group of people. And as long as I have this group of people in my life, I'm going to be okay. And when I say that, then you become an idol. And you become more than important too important because none of you is Jesus sorry to say and we wrestled with this as a family when we first came here because we left a really really good healthy community and we got here and we missed them terribly and we were dying and and we realized you know what it's not it's no one's fault except ours we, we put too much emphasis on community. And that actually became our idol. What horrible missionaries we were. <laughs> so we've done both. I've felt both of those. And so what do you do? You come back and you repent. You say, Lord, I've placed the wrong emphasis on myself. I've placed the wrong emphasis on community. Help me to live in light of the fact that you have brought me from death to life, and I'm desperate, and I love that you put these desperate people in my life too. And let's, let's try to do this together. And so maybe you need to think differently about community, and maybe you need to, to do something. Maybe you need to be, be more practically involved in some way. And so let me just close by asking you, you know, what can you do to give of yourself to be the body of Christ this week? You just think of something that's really practical and tangible. How can you do that? Maybe it's being part of a, a small group. Maybe it's making a meal for someone who's having a, a rough go. Maybe it's getting out of your comfort zone, serving in the children's ministry, just saying. Maybe it's um, just having a conversation with somebody who, who needs someone to talk to. What can you do to be part of the body of Christ? Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much that you've uh, saved us but not left us alone to flounder, but you have given us uh, people of God, a community in which we can live. And so I pray, Lord, that you will help us first as a a local church, as Faith Community Church, to be the body of Christ, um, to be the aroma of Christ. And I pray that you will help us to live in unity with our brothers and sisters who, who believe the same gospel, who love you, uh, both in Prague and, and around the world. So help us, Jesus, to be um, the body of Christ because of what you have done for us and how you have brought us from death to life. We thank you we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.